0: On this episode, you'll hear about Wellness, Fitness, French Aulism, and Lifestyle, a tray fucking chic gangster podcast hosted by fitness and wellness French hedonism guru and creator of The Method, The Body, yours truly, Ingrid Delamar Kenny, live from Monte Carlo, Monaco. On this show, you'll find a mix of audio entertainment, including listener and audience questions answered about health, wellness, lifestyle, family, and relationships, and my French tips to be healthy, have your best body, and transform both your body and your mindset into the happiest ever, as well as living la belle vie lifestyle like a chic French gangster. I'm Ingrid Delamar Kenny, I'm the CEO and founder of The Method. She's also my wife and she's the smartest woman I've ever met. First of all, she's my mom and she's really cool. She's all that and she's a superhero. Never mind CEO, she's gangster. This is the Pardon My French podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 36 of Pardon My French podcast. I am Ingrid Delamar kenny I am your host and I'm live from Monaco. This this week's podcast does not come as a surprise to any of you. Um, This is the recurring uh, question that I get so often about copying mechanisms and uh, with good reason. If you followed me for quite a while, uh, you know I make no secrets of my past. I... um, also, always discussed that my past does not define me, but it's definitely made me the person that I am today. Um, and so, from that, I very often get the question you know, how do you do it all? How does it seem that you never have anxiety, depression, stress? Um, how do you keep it so cool? How do you not care what people say? How do you not care about judgment? Um, and the answer to all of that. Is that I have tools. So I am human and like everybody else, I you know have feelings, I have anxiety, I have problems. Um, but I chose to create tools that help me cope. Um, and my very first tool ever that I've created to, to help me cope um, was obviously when I was incarcerated. So you need coping mechanisms to like make it through. Um, especially in a federal institution that is medium security like where I was. So I needed coping mechanisms to make it through and, you know, not have suicidal thoughts and keeping on being the person that I was on the outside. And I learned while I was, you know, behind bars that you can actually create tools that work for you and help you cope with situations um, the number one tool to create is these coping mechanisms and these tools is to shut everyone and everything out around you. Shut the noise down um, and create those tools for you. Don't discuss them with anyone. You know, Don't make posts about them on Instagram. Don't proclaim them. This is really not about becoming someone else or, you know, creating a trend, it's about finding these tools that push the right buttons to help you cope with situations. And the same way that I say there's no one size fits all when it comes to dieting, I think it's very much the same with coping mechanisms, because we all come from different walks of lives. And we come from different backgrounds, different trauma, different anxieties, you know, some of us have been more fortunate than others. Um, And then again, it's not for us to judge if the other one had it easier or better. So I'm going to share with you five of my best coping mechanism tools that are adjustable to your situation and that are easy to work around who you are, what you're dealing with. Um, And I think that the first thing that has to be said here and that I would say to a client that would come to me with a high level of anxiety about something. And I have one client in particular, she's always like, don't judge me. But I know this seems like nothing to you. But to me, this is huge. And this is what I'm dealing with. There is no label when it comes to experiencing anxiety when it comes to experiencing tr- stress self-doubt self-confidence issues there is absolutely no one and certainly not a professional that should by any means demean or inferiorize you for the way that you feel um, of course if someone's going to come to me and is going to say that they are tremendously stressed by the purchase of a a Chanel bag, I'm definitely going to shake my head and go get the fuck out of my face. Um, But other situations that may seem small to me because what I've been through, um, like someone would stress out about a choice of food or, you know, be unnerved by the diet they've been on, or seeing someone super skinny triggers things like things like that on Instagram. Um, I have empathy for that, and I feel like this is you know inner struggles that we have, and we just have to find the tools to get around them and get by in life um, so here are my five five top ones that you can use in any given situation. And hopefully this will answer some of the questions that you've sent me on Instagram um, when I announce the subject of the theme of this week's podcast. So in this this day and age, uh, I think that the main source of discontent, anxiety, frustration comes a lot from being envious, jealousy, and comparison. So even if you're not A naturally envious or jealous person, comparison is something that I've noticed in a lot of my relationships and the messages that I receive from you guys, or um, I can't believe I said you guys, I hate saying you guys, from all of you um, and from working with clients. I recently received an image from one of my followers who is recovering from an eating disorder. Now, she's not a client, but she's a follower, and we've spoken a lot over the past year. She's doing tremendously good, um, considering I've never, you know, treated her, I've never consulted with her. Um, But I, I do see that her, you know, thinking pattern about food and about body image are tremendously better however um she sent me on instagram a photo of emrata so it's emily something rule rule something whatever and so gorgeous girl um i do think a lot of her photos are altered to look a certain way and her midsection is so different from you know, regular female bodies. Now, I I don't want to sound like I'm bashing. I'm not at all. She is stunning. But she has this very pronounced line in the middle of her midsection, like in her midsection. Her abdominals are very atypical and it's very lovely to look at. She's also extremely skinny, but this is not where the trigger was When this follower, who's so lovely, sent me a message, she was like, oh, hell yeah, I'm nowhere near looking like that. And that makes me depressed, something like that. And before having a feeling of empathy towards her, I was blown away by how much anger that made me feel. The fact that she's on Instagram consuming content that is triggering her in such an unhappy way, was extremely upsetting for me. And I do think that the number one coping mechanism, which is to cope with jealousy, envy, or comparison, so it doesn't necessarily mean that you're a jealous person or an envious person, but you do compare yourself. Um, I I think that's probably 90% of, you know, where you can find happiness if you could just get rid of these terrible feelings. Now, when it comes to comparison, I'm gonna say something that you've heard from so many other people. A lot of influencers talk about that. Mute, Do what I do. Unfollow mute. If someone doesn't make you feel good about yourself or makes you hate them, they are people that you know you you may end up watching on Instagram that don't tickle your fancy, that make you angry. And ultimately make you see a side of you that you hate, which is the side where you wish bad on them or you wish they would shut the fuck up. We all have someone like that, that triggers us on Instagram or, you know, Facebook or YouTube. Just stop watching. Like why, you know, the, the self-torture. Um, so that would be the little number one in my number one tool of jealousy, envy and comparison. Um and I know it's one that's so common and not easy to do because everybody is a little bit sadist in their own way and will keep watching someone that they loathe and someone that doesn't make them feel good about themselves. Um, but if you can, and if you are listening to this podcast with the intent of taking steps to have the right tools to cope with real life, the the, the obstacles and, you know, the the difficult aspect of real life then this should be your number one in the coping mechanism tool of jealousy now the main tool I know I've spoken about it before and I do believe I spoke about it on the episode where Dylan was on my son Dylan was on Um, it would be for jealousy how to cope with jealousy so you are watching someone on Instagram or you're watching someone at work getting a commission you were supposed to get or getting a promotion you were supposed to get or you're watching this woman at the gym doing exactly the same workout as you but getting different results and having a body that you envy or your ex is with a woman that you're feeling envious of or a competitor is getting a deal that you feel they didn't deserve and you feel envious or angry or a sense of comparative unfairness. The main thing is and this, cause we're human. We all of us are going to feel envy at some point or jealousy or, you know, be frustrated by comparing ourselves to someone else. Um, The number one tool is to look at this person's life. Every single aspect of their life that you know of, not that the media is putting out there, not that the movie has put out there, not that a reality show or their Instagram story is putting out there. The whole aspect of their life, the whole thing. And say, if I want what she has, Let's say she shows her closet, and you are so envious and going, Why is this woman dealt such good cards in life? Why does she have such gorgeous clothes and jewelry? And on top of it, she's skinny and she has nice hair. The first thing that I would say, and I've done it with my kids, you know, my kids, my son, especially Dylan often didn't understand why he was dealt such tough cards when he was younger or, you know, looking around where he grew up in Brooklyn, the kids were extremely spoiled. They got Rolexes for the bar mitzvah. I didn't give my son a Rolex for his bar mitzvah. Uh, I I couldn't and I wouldn't. Um, some of them would get a Ferrari, at, you know, when they got their driver's license. And so Dylan often would be like, but, but why? Why them? And why do we have it so tough? Why do we have a mom who struggles to make ends meet and you know where she has to prioritize paying for private school rather than getting us all these nice things? Um, the first thing I would say to Dylan and that I would say to you looking at this woman with her nice closet, her nice hair, a nice waistline, if you want what this person has, you have to be willing to take the full package. So you have to be agreeing to take their mother instead of me, that's what I would say to Dylan, their father instead of me. You have to agree to take their past instead of your own. You have to have different brothers and sisters or different sisters in Dylan's case. You cannot hypocritically and selectively just envy one aspect of their life that's appealing to you and think you can just copy and paste it onto your own life. It doesn't work like that. When we are dealt certain cards in life, we're dealt some good cards and some bad cards. You ain't gonna take the good card and leave the bad cards and just take that good card and put put it in your game. That's not fair. There's no card game that way. And life is certainly not that way. So going back to that woman, and I've had this situation with a competitor who is constantly getting away with so much shit, shit that I would never get away with, but shit I would never pull in the first place because of my integrity and my sense of ethics when it comes to health. And very often I'd be frustrated because she would throw some curveballs my way to try and sabotage my small business compared to her big business. And I would never be envious of her because I certainly don't want to look like her. I don't want to live where she lives. Sure, she has a nice life or whatever. But the first thing I said to myself is, Ingrid, if you want the business deal that she took from you or that you think she took from you, or if you don't understand why she's getting that business deal, um, even though she doesn't deserve it and she's just an awful person in her business, you've got to fuck her husband. And ultimately, I'd have like a gagging reflex right there like fuck no you have to fuck a husband you have to have her hair you have to have her children instead of yours and then I'm like fuck to the no no way I don't want any of that I just wanted the business deal I just wanted you know that in the closet but I ain't gonna fuck a husband certainly not ew gross and I don't want her children, I love mine very much, thank you, and wouldn't trade them for anything in the world. So the bottom line is, the same way that I've told a vegetarian that they have to stop trying to eat meat mimickers, because that's being hypocritical. If you're a vegetarian, it means you don't wanna eat meat. So why are you devoting your vegan life or your vegetarian life to eating something that looks like meat, but that's not meat? Very much the same here. If you're going to be jealous, envious or compare yourself to someone, don't be a fucking hypocrite. You've got to be okay with taking on their whole life. And some people are going to be down with it. They're going to be like, hell yeah, I'll fuck a husband for what she's got. I'll take her children. I don't have any just for the closet or the home that she's got. But trust me. There is something in your life that you will not be willing to let go of just to go and take this woman's life. Now, how did I come up with this tool? I watched a movie on Lifetime when I was a little girl and it was the story of two twins. And if I recall, um, it was played by Stephanie Powers. Do you remember Stephanie Powers? If you're my generation, you definitely do. And so she played two characters in the movie. She played herself and her twin. And the movie was called something like, lend me your life, or "Give me your life. And what it is, is one of the twins is married, living a boring life with her husband, who she fell in love with in college and with her beautiful children. And the other twin sister, also played by Stephanie Powers. Um, is it Bowers or Powers? I don't know. I'll- I'll figure it out and put it on the show notes you know this is not scripted so I go as I think I think as I go um anyways the other sister would go to like the Venice Carnival and be on yachts and having champagne and having affairs with beautiful Italian strangers and so the two sisters meet up this is a really old movie so if you go see it you're even gonna you're gonna be like fuck Ingrid is old um but the two sisters at some point meet up and i think what happens is they decide to switch each other's lives for a week the sister who's married is very bored in her life her husband's boring her the kids are tough on her her job's boring and the other sister is just so envious of her having children and a beautiful husband and being able to cook meals and you know having beautiful friends fam- friends dinners together and whatever so they switch each other's lives for a week. And the sister that goes to live the very lavish lifestyle on yachts with strangers and rich men or whatever dies, I think, in a crash. And at that point, the other sister is faced with mourning her sister, but also the lie that she's been living. She's been living with her brother-in-law as her husband. And those kids that are actually her nephews and nieces and now she's faced with having to tell them she's not their mother, their mother's dead, her sister's dead, and going back to her lavish lifestyle of her life and kind of running away from it all. And at some point, of course, through the mourning of her sister and still acting like she's the mother, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera she realizes she just wants to go back to her life. Um, and so at that point, she comes clean to the husband, And I'm not going to tell you the rest because it's like a love story after that. But the bottom line is that really struck me. For some reason, this movie, Lifestyle Lifetime Original Movie, as they call them, um, had an impact on me. I must have been like maybe 10 or 11 years old. Um, And it had an impact that you can't just want someone else's life unless you're willing to be dealt every single card they've been dealt whether it's their ugly bunion on their feet, their ugly penis head husband, their children who you don't want to love because you love your children and you don't want to give them up, their father, their mother, their you know childhood memories, someone they love in their life, you have to give it all up and go take what that person has. And so you may look at someone through your Instagram story screen and go, oh, I want all of her life. I will give it all up. Well, if you are that person that you're willing to give it all up because there's no one you love that you don't mind giving up, there's no childhood memory that you don't mind trading, then let me tell you, I don't think even my tools can help you, but I don't think much can help you. You've got to go live your life and try not to live somebody else's life. But for regular people like me who love their children, Love their mother. Gosh, I wouldn't be willing to trade any of my childhood memories with my dad for this woman's dad. He looks like an asshole on top of it. What I've seen of him. Um, but what I'm saying is, it's you know, it, it's a great coping mechanism if you're an envious person or if you tend to compare yourself to someone. Try to look at them and find out about them as much as you can because it's not okay to be envious of just one thing that you see through a screen or, you know, on a desk in, in an office. Try to find out about them as much as you can before making the informed decision of being envious of them or comparing yourself to them and see if you'd be willing to switch all with them, all of it. You've got to take all of it, the whole thing. I know this tool has helped my son so much when he felt degraded or not included with other kids. At the end of the day, when I made him sit down and said, okay, let's, go, let's look at this kid that you're envying because he had an amazing birthday party that I wasn't able to throw for you this year, or you know, his mother didn't go to jail like I did, or... And let's look at the whole thing. Are you willing to give up your childhood memories going to Miami? Are you willing to give up your dad? Are you willing to give me up? Are you willing to give up your sisters? Are you willing to give up? At the time Dylan was so um, addicted to um, collectible baseball cards, he was very, very fond of the Yankees, the New York Yankees, and he was an avid collector. He had very valuable baseball cards and memorabilia. And the first thing I would say is, okay, if you want Jack, if you want Jack's life, because of the birthday party he had and the fact that he has a lot of friends and you don't have as many, are you willing to give up all your cards? Because Jack doesn't have those cards. Are you willing to let go of mommy? Are you willing to let go of Savannah and Dakota? You have to have Jack's sister. You have to have that uh, Jack's dad who's always traveling to China this is all hypothetical I'm not talking about anyone in particular in Dylan's childhood so I hope no one feels targeted Um, but that would usually work and at the beginning I would have to put it all in perspective for him when you would feel that envy or comparison and you know let down of specks of jealousy and little by little it's a muscle, those coping mechanism, this coping mechanism for jealousy, envy, comparison becomes a muscle that you, you exercise and you practice and you practice and the muscle becomes stronger and stronger and automatically you start knowing how to use it and you do it consciously and little by little, you're so used to the muscle years down the line that you are becoming incapable of feeling envy, jealousy or comparison towards someone else. Um, I've been there. You know, when I was a ballet dancer, I used to compare my body to the other girls. And then when I worked in fashion, I compared my height to the models I was working with that were fucking giants compared to me. Um, You know, when I was unhappy in my first marriage, I compared my marriage to my friends and to other women I would see around me. But ultimately, this tool... Was always there for me from a young age because I watched that movie and realized you can't just trade. So, the movie, by the way, I just checked it out. um, It was called Deception. And I think I watched it when I was in France with my parents. So, in French, it was called Lent Me Your Life or Let Me Borrow Your Life. But in English, it was Deceptions with Stephanie Powers, if you want to check it out. It's super old, but. The gist of the story really resonated with me and it's become my coping mechanism for comparison, envy, and jealousy. And that's something that you shouldn't feel ashamed of feeling at all. It's natural. Um, Very often, I find that comparison could be turned into a very powerful tool of ambition. And I find that the Americans are much better at this than the French. The French are very jealous people in general. If you have a nice car, they'll never look at it like, man, that's a nice car. They'll never compliment you and say, wow, whatever the fuck she's doing, I need to be doing the same to get this car. They'll be more like, yeah, I wonder who she had to fuck to get this car. Or I wonder who she robbed to get this car. Um, same with houses. Or So I find that Americans are driven by Healthy comparison, where they're like, you know what, if she did it, I can do it. Um, Or if he did it, I can do it. Um, So comparison can be turned also into that. And that leads me to the second tool. The second tool that I like to share is using a letdown. Using adversity fuel your ambition and creativity. And that's something that you've seen me do over and over again with CopyCal. CopyCal has thrown so, so much adversity my way. And every single thing that she has done to sabotage my business has turned into one of my biggest and best ideas ever. And that is a tool that is gold. It's actually platinum gold. That's the tool of turning adversity into success. Anytime adversity or an obstacle comes your way, especially at the hands of someone else, so someone revengeful, someone that you are, you know, competing with at a job, or an ex, someone that you have hostility with possibly, or rancor or resentment let the adversity be turned into success i'll give you an example and you've heard this story from me before so i won't have to go all into the whole history of it but um when i spoke about copy cow and one of my biggest hang up with her and the people in our organization we don't want to blame her directly i know she's been very outspoken about how she's always being accused of things she hasn't done Uh, but let's say maybe her minions Um, one of my hang-ups was that what they had done a few years back before i shared my story my criminal past criminal you know not my criminal past because i don't have a criminal past but my my criminal record, what had happened to me Um, before I was ready to share my story. I I mean, I've said this so many times, so I I don't want to linger too much on the subject. Um, But the hang up was that they had gone all over social media and posted tidbits of my indictment without ever mentioning that I had won an appeal. This is where the story of turning adversity into success has become a coping mechanism for me for adversity. So they had gone on social media and um, public platforms and shared tidbits of my indictment and, of course, never mentioned that I had won an appeal. Um, And I had two ways I could go about this one way was to run from the actual truth which was not being told here. It was using my truth which I was quite ashamed of and afraid of the repercussions of the public finding out, especially for my children, trying to protect my kids. So either I would let into fear, anger, um, covering up and and those are all things that when we deal with adversity, we shouldn't be doing because we have literally no control over that. So either I would go into the area, I, I always tell my clients, either you go into the column of things you can control or you go into the column of things you cannot control. And so when it comes to adversity like that, somebody and goes and, and accuses you of something and use bits of your truths. they use bits of your truth against you and make it look really bad or you go to so you go to the part that you cannot control and you try to shut them up you try to deny it you try to cover it up and these are outcomes that you absolutely cannot control because you don't know how the public is going to react you don't know how the cover up is going to stick or you take the adversity And you go genuinely in the column of things you can control, which is your truth, your truth, your actual truth, authentically, ethically, with integrity, you can control. And it's what I chose to do. So I was like, you know what? Fuck this shit. Yes, I've gone to jail. Yes, I was found guilty of a crime. But I also want an appeal. And also... This has made me who I am today. It doesn't define me, but it's definitely defined where I am today, what I am, what I've done. And had I not gone through this, I would not be the person that I am today that everyone's listening to. And then using my past to destroy what I'm building makes no sense. Because the reason why people are following me and listening to me in the first place and this copycat and her minions are being so threatened by me is because the person I am today, this truth that I am today stems from the very thing that they're trying to grill me on. So I decided to check the things I can control column and what it is, is was the truth. I was like, you know what, Motherfucker. Let me take this by the horn. And I took it a step forward. Not only did I tell my full story in the comment area, I did not delete any of the things that Copy Cow or minions wrote. I said, yes, I want to tell. Yes, this happened. But you know what else happened? This and this and this and that happened. And what you may not have known is that my child was on the spectrum of autism and I needed to pay countless therapies thousands and thousands of dollars in therapies because I could not send him through to the mainstream therapies of you know offered by the board of education it just wasn't applying to him and the reason why my son was is about to graduate and go to law school is because I've done this so fuck you and so that's what I did I took the adversity that came my way and don't get me wrong I flipped out In the first hours of this happening, I was ready to take a flight to New York and go back to jail because I was about to commit murder, seriously. But of course, I thought better of it and I thought of the beautiful life that I had built for myself and how I had gone to that beautiful life and the beautiful audience that I finally had who definitely loved me for the person I had become. And they might have not loved me for the person I was before I went to prison. And I was like, fuck that shit. Let me go in the column of things I can control. And what I can control is my narrative. And so the best way to control your narrative when you're being accused of something or someone says you have a dirty little secret is to own your truth and show that this truth is making you who you are today. And I took it another step forward. And that was all thanks to my beautiful audience who appreciated authenticity and realness and didn't judge me for my past. They rather respected me for my truth and for saying the truth. And the only reason why I was holding back on the truth is because I was writing a book, which I'm done with and which is being published as we speak but also because my son Dylan was still underage and I needed his consent to break his story. And I know a lot of parents you know, tell their children's story before they turn 18 and before they hit the majority, but I wasn't willing to do that with Dylan. So when this happened, Dylan was like 17 and a half. I had six months to go to honor this promise I had made to myself that I would not go public with my story until Dylan was 18, until he had a success story where we could turn this into a success story rather than just tell our story and you know have people feel bad for us um but you know this these people these evil people decided otherwise and i had to go with what i could control and i couldn't control the fact that they posted this you can't delete that fucking shit i know a lot of people um go online when things aren't written about them and if they're powerful enough and they have enough money, they could remove every single bad thing written about them on Reddit or on GoMe or whatever. But ultimately, you're constantly running away from adversity and the truth or sometimes they lies and they just don't want them on. But you you can't control complete strangers going online and writing shit about you. What you can control is how much you give them to write about. So by coming out with my real story at that point, because I wasn't given no choice, I controlled my narrative and I controlled the narrative of the story. And I turned adversity into something beautiful because so many women ended up being so inspired by what happened to me and how I owned up to it and what I did with my life and my kid's life and how strong and resilient my kids were. And that's inspired a lot of women to deal with their kids um, learning disabilities. Very often mothers are so ashamed to admit that their beautiful baby has a learning disability. So, you know, then seeing me in Monaco looking a certain way, living a certain lifestyle where everything looks shiny and beautiful, it, it kind of, you know, gave them the strength and the incentive to put their chin up and say, I need to own up to what my child's going through. I can help my child. My child can get better. Ingrid did it. I can do it. She went to jail. She did this, she did that, and still came up, came out on top. Long story short, turning adversity into success has gone an extra mile here for me because I realized that was, what was bothering my, the, the person behind the adversity, so copy cow and Armenian possibly, um, was the fact that I was coming out with inulin and inulin was threatening to an industry that these people were in. And so I was like, you know what, let me take this a step further. Why do I call the brand? Do we call it the method, the body, like a, the company's name that, I was, that I'm still working under? Or do we give the, the products, the product line, a, a sub-brand? And I'm like, I'm going to give it a sub-brand and I'm going to call it Gangsta Chic. Because my first answer to these asshole trolls who went and posted my criminal record on my social media when I announced in Yulin was, I may be fucking gangster, you dumb bitch, but I 'm also chic, and so I called the brand gangster chic, and for me, it was like, you know what i'm just gonna add add to the success that came from this adversity and kind of shove it in their face and I know that now each loud each time they look at my labels, my products, my jars, they see gangster chic, and they're like, Fuck, we actually went and outed the fact that she's a fucking gangster an ex-con next convict but now she's made it her brand so we we literally don't have a leg to stand on there's nothing we can tell the public and so this is where it is an amazing tool that each time adversity comes your way you have to kind of take it all in and go okay Column of what I can control and what I can't control. You can't control people's opinion of you. You can't control what they're going to say. Can't, you can't control what they're going to think. You can control the information or the lies that are going to be put out there about you. How you deal with it is what you can control. And usually, the best way to deal with it and control it is to come up with your narrative and your truth. And then, if you can add a cherry on top of the cake and move. Forward and advance from it like I created my brand and I now love it I now thank these haters so much for calling me an ex-con and trying to put my record out there because Gangster Chic is so cool and it's turned into something so crazy and then it's exp- it's inspired pretty much my whole branding and marketing on the no cocaine here and all the jokes about Ingrid Delamar Um, you know Ingrid Delamore Escobar or Ingrid Montana for Tony Montana and all of that stuff and all the no cocaine jars and calling our little tiny jars the big C and you know calling the other one the backup like so I mean thank you so so much haters you've literally inspired my whole brand like my whole branding not my brand but my branding and so for me the adversity tool turning your adversity into success it it's a muscle it's the same as the the jealousy coping mechanism that i spoke about first it's a muscle you're going to exercise it and exercise it and exercise it until you automatically Take a little bit less time dwelling on the adversity that hits you and turn it into success. I'll give you one more example. And I'm not going to go very much into it because, you know, it's, it, I mean, it's in progress and process right now. Um, when I create my labels for my products, very often I rely on art and I buy digital art that I then modify. And I'm very good with with you know graphic design so I'm good at digital graphic design and so all the designs that you see on my labels from the fonts to some of the little characters some special touches like for example on, on my spices I bought the art of the female um the, the, with it with a beautiful um couture gown but then I added the tagine plate on her hand she had something else on her hand I think it was uh It was a champagne glass or something like that. And I removed, I bought the digital art of her, but then I added a tagine plate on it on one side and the Eiffel Tower in the other hand. And that became my simply the best Hassel Hanout spice. So I buy the the digital art and then you know, I switch it around and I make sure that I'm doing all of this in all of copyright legalities and stuff like that. And so in 2018, when I came up with um, certain products like fucking beautiful rose oil or um, with um, with the protein powder, so simply protein fiber, there was a story behind all of them with the protein powder. There was a lot of drama because one of my competitors had started to use the The palm trees, the palm leaves that I was using as, you know, part of my branding on my thank you cards, on the Beverly Hills uh, special edition jar, and so um, my competition was coming out with a product very similar to this one, and I had this one on hold for quite some time, the protein powder on hold for quite some time. I'm getting a little bit out of where I wanted to go, but it's important to share this, and so. I was like, you know what, let that adversity of this person copying my packaging. Um, I mean, they had made like pre sell little jars that look so much like my jars with the same aluminum lid. And, you know, my followers weren't crazy going, oh my God, Kofi is at it again and you know, whatever. Um, so I found this art gorgeous art of a very retro French looking woman wearing beautiful sunglasses hiding behind palm trees like palm leaves and I was like oh my fucking god this is genius this will be for my protein powder and I will take Eiffel Towers and put them in the glare of her sunglasses and she'll be spying between the the palm leaves she'll be spying at the competition, trying to copy us all the time. And we're gonna release this vegan protein powder before they release whatever similar product they were releasing, which in the end has nothing to do with ours. And by no means I stay in my lane and she better stay in hers. Um, But long story short, I bought the art digitally and uh, from a very well-known artist. And this same well-known artist who had designed stuff for Sephora and, so I bought it from a digital library, and I, I did it for fucking beautiful rose oil and for another product. I can't remember which one now. Um, I think are simply call. Cool. And all of this art that I purchased um, was in, I want to say, in, with respects to copyright, and um, all bought digitally, and you know, I made sure I was allowed to use it. And uh, then I would modify it and add and subtract certain things out of it. And then my label would be born from all the graphic design I would do on it and add on the name of the product and whatever. Long story short, recently, um, as I was releasing H2O Neulin, the artist gets in touch with me. And I'm like, wow, because I'm like a huge fan. She's become huge. And she goes... You can't use my art. I want you to remove it right away. And she sends me a message on Instagram. And I was like, well, excuse me, I'm a big fan and I would never disrespect your work and your, you know, intellectual property. These are my uh, invoices. I bought this from a digital library. And she looked at all of it. She said, yes, we were still okay to sell digitally a few years ago, but no longer. So I said, well, the law is not retroactive on that. And we can call our lawyers. She was like, no, I don't want to call lawyers, whatever. We worked it out. She was lovely. I think I was lovely. She saw that I did everything in legality. But when we finally came to an agreement and I said to her, you know, I love your art. I don't want to disrespect you. I don't want you to have a bitter taste in your mouth. I'm ready to rebrand anyways. Um, I will rebrand. So if you give me some time, you know, you'll be happy. I'll be happy. And she's like, yes, you have all the time. Don't worry. Um, I, I just want you to know that I don't sell my art digitally anymore. And I know I can't enforce it with you legally, but I'm super unhappy about it. And I can try too, but it would be legal proceedings and it wouldn't be fair to you so she thought it wouldn't be fair to me I thought it wasn't fair to her that she felt this way and we came to an understanding that I would get my creative hat on and rebrand some of my labels so there would be no bitterness and the reason why I did it is not because I was legally obliged to but because I didn't want someone whose art I love And someone who felt like this is her intellectual property and she doesn't want someone else to use it for digital anymore, for labels on a product or whatever. And I know she's designed for other beauty products, um, a beauty company, but she's designed for them. She had not designed for me. I bought her art digitally um, to have a right to use it. At the end of it all, when, when the whole thing was resolved, so for like a day or so talking to her, I was so upset about it. And like, so like, oh my God, what's going to happen to my labels? What's going to happen to my product? Like you get worried. Um, I was in turmoil for just a few hours, but then we worked it out in such a lovely way. Um, at the end, I was like, let me ask you, I'm such a small company. How did you come across my products? How did you figure out that we were using your art? Not that I'm hiding, obviously, because I did it in a legal way. Um, And she said, well, there's a company that called me and she gave me the the hints that I needed uh, to use my art. And they, you know, I told them they couldn't. And when I told them they couldn't, um, they said, well, why is she? And of course, she gave me the name and surprise, surprise, I'm not even going to go there, but you can just imagine. And I just thought oh my God, oh my God, I cannot believe this fucking shit. Like, what can I do with this obstacle? But what came out of it was pure success. It kind of gave me a kick in the ass because I knew I needed to rebrand my... We changed the jar for the protein powder to a much bigger jar and like much more beautiful. You know me, I usually launch fast and adjust later and so the labels we'd created for them originally they kind of like all for it now and I knew I had to rebrand but it's so much work and I had paid for the art and then I spent hours working on the graphics and I'm like I needed that kick in the ass to kind of rebrand and then for H2O Nulin we had used art that I had purchased a year ago more than a year ago because I've been working on H2O Nulin electrolytes for over a year almost for more than for more than a year because it's almost been since Inulin came out. I was talking to Lauren, Skinny Confidential. She was like, what's your next product? And I was like, electrolytes. I need to come up with electrolytes. And I will do a podcast episode on how I've come up with electrolytes and why it's been such a long journey of me coming up with the product, even though I've been, I mean, it was first in line after Inulin. And yet I brought out all these other products and not the electrolytes since now, but... I knew when we got the labels for H2O Newland, the very first label a few weeks ago, I was like, I like it, but it's too small and it's not, it doesn't have enough hump. But I had bought the art a long time ago. I'd worked on the art and changed everything around. And so part of me can get lazy because I'm doing so much. I mean, I'm the CEO, I'm the founder, I'm the administrator, I'm, you know, sometimes doing customer service. I'm you know, doing the method and the workouts and the retreats. So I'm like, sometimes I know I have to redo my labels. I know I, it's time to rebrand. I get bored so fast um, that I have to reinvent myself and my labels constantly to just keep the spark going. It's kind of like in a relationship. That's how I feel about products, um, you know, launch fast and then get better and, better and better and better and greater and greater and more exciting. And so... This actually adversity that came from pure jealousy and hate from a competitor, the same person over and over again, actually was a great opportunity for me to create and to reinvent. And so I think I was bitter for just two hours. And then after working things out with the artist and she was happy and I was happy and I sent her products and she was like, take the time you need. You know, I am not going to be upset because I know you come from such, you know, a a good place. Like you did everything legally and you bought the art, which she didn't even think I did at first. I had to really show her my invoices because you don't buy it straight from her. But at the end of the day, I think I was bitter for about two hours, three hours. And I was so angry at first with, you know, the person that ratted me out. Like, I don't even know if you could call this rat me out because I wasn't doing anything wrong. But when I, and we all know who that was, um, who originally was trying to buy art so similar to to mine because she's always copying everything I do. Um, But after these two hours of incubation, I kind of like fought the virus with so much creativity. So this is this number two tool. When adversity comes to fucking bite you in the ass, in the ass. You want to turn around and instead of giving it the other cheek, the other butt cheek, you kind of want to take that other butt cheek and repaint it a whole other color. And that's kind of, I don't know if that makes sense. I am just, you know, making this shit up as I go. Probably sound nuts, but you know what I mean? Like, try to look at adversity as a great exercise to create success. And very often, I kind of look at it that way. Some people will say it in a spiritual way. I just say it in a logical, Cartesian way. Take adversity and try to turn it into a success. Even the smallest success of them all. You know, take a smaller kind of problem. Like you were supposed to sign a contract today, but the guy got sick. That's actually quite big. Well, get working on the contract. Get working on the contract so that when you sign it the following, in the following two days when the guy is not sick, you possibly have a better contract. You know, something like that, anything like that. Um, I kind of always try to turn adversity into success and it's like almost a fun exercise for me now to use this tool. And the more you exercise the tool, on small situation or very, very serious big situations, the better at it you become and the less the incubation time of upset, her anger is going to be. So I used to be upset for two, three days about adverse, like adversity biting me in the ass. And now from exercising the muscle of turning it into success and turning it into goodness, I'm down to maybe an hour to two hours on big stuff and on small stuff, I get mad for like minutes, just minutes. So this tool can be extremely powerful if you see it almost as a game, something that you just, a muscle that you exercise. And your incubation time of upset and hurt and anger is going to get shorter and shorter and shorter. I'm working on having no incubation time whatsoever from adversity hitting me to me turning it into a success or into something positive. That's my goal. Um, So I hope this tool is something that you will love and like using. The next tool is the But What If Not tool. But What If Not is a tool that I found to be tremendously helpful with my clients when we have mentor sessions. And when I introduced this tool, I usually don't introduce it first. We deal a lot with the envy and comparison tool first, and you know, then the adversity tool. Um, the but what if not tool is probably the one that will give you, that will be the easiest tool to use when you need an instant reaction to something that upsets you. So an instant reaction to something that upsets you, for example, you are getting a systematic headache right before a meeting and you are so upset about that. Like, why is this always happening to me? Why am I constantly getting a headache before this very important meeting? And I'm like, okay, let's sit down and put it in perspective and kind of like tear it down into pieces, peel this off and see if there's really a reason to be upset. Okay. So, Let's say you go to the meeting, but what if you would not have a headache? Then what would happen? Oh, if I wouldn't have a headache, I would definitely uh, be more productive and have a better meeting and thus a better outcome. Okay, so you are upset because you got a headache and you are not having a perfect outcome because you feel like you weren't on your game because you had a headache. But what if you would have gone to the meeting and something else would have gone wrong? And what I do is with the but what if not tool is minimize the way that the perspective that we have on things that upset us. So it minimizes. For example, another example, I had a client who very often made a federal case out of nothing. Everything was a big deal. So For example, if she went to the bookstore and did not find the particular book that she came to look for, it was a sign. So if the book was about, I'm just going to give you an example, how to find love, and this is not the example of my client, and she went to the bookstore and didn't find the specific book that she'd been advised to get, then she would think, oh, my God, I'm not supposed to find love. That is actually a trait that is a very indicative of anxiety and anxiety is something that I don't judge it's something that no one should judge even though it can sound very petty or stupid or small to me or to someone who has cancer you know I I know we always say this like oh my god someone who has cancer my problem sounds so small to someone who lost a child my my problem of losing my dog is so small But it's not like that. And so tools are important. So you can be okay, not so other people can be okay with the way you feel, you have to be okay, no matter what. So now when I minimize the anxiety that someone has with the but what if not tool, it's not that I make them feel bad for stupid anxiety no it's helping them put the the topic of the anxiety the reason for the anxiety in perspective so they can themselves minimize it and they can themselves not feel so bad about it this yes. think of this as an anxiety minimizing tool but what if not so if you are upset about a course of event of the day put it through the but what if not okay but what if this didn't matter and what if this doesn't matter and so what if at the end of the day that doesn't matter either you can use it with so many things it doesn't have to be but what if it doesn't matter it could be what if the guy did show up or what if the guy doesn't show up the but what if not tool to me you can turn it to your sauce you can turn it to your own personality is a way of putting a volume taking a volume button. And lowering the volume on the issue and the anxiety by simply putting everything in in perspective. Um, and I've had many clients be so successful. Many clients being so successful with, with that. Um, I I don't want to give specific because I specific examples. Um, but I'll give you my example on the previous. So you could decide what tool to use, but you could also use this different tools on the same situation. I will take the example of my labels. What if, but what if um, that artist did not reach out to me, then why? Well, then I would have kept my labels for a few months longer until I felt like maybe my products weren't as exciting and my sales went down and then I would have decided to do it. And so in the end, the problem is not that big but what if, you know, my competition, my competitor or whatever, if mean, they think they're my competitor because I don't even think we're selling the same type of products. But what if Copycat or whoever that hater is um, did not try to put an obstacle? Then what? Well, then she would have been able to copy my labels and we would have the same labels and I wouldn't be so special anymore because she's using all my ideas. So, but had, had she not um, done this, I would probably find myself in a in a place where I'm kind of not moving as fast as I should. And you know when someone's copying you or attempting to copy you, you have to move two steps forward. So the But What If Not tool is great to kind of lower the volume. Imagine the old stereos. That's actually another tool I use, but I'm not going to put it in this podcast. We're going to mix it with, with but not, the But What If Not tool, which is the, the volume button in My time, we used to have stereos and those stereos had huge FM, AM um, buttons that you turned and it had huge volume buttons that you turned. And so you can change the, you know, FM or AM, the, the frequency, and you can also change the volume. And so this tool, the but what if not tool really helps you minimize the volume of your problems and your anxiety and even the fre- the frequency like how in tune are you with the issue or are you just getting used to feeling so bad about things that keep on hitting you I have people that constantly ask me like but what it, w- what about when like life is not being kind to you like when one thing goes wrong everything goes wrong like what do you do then well some people go well, I just go back to bed well I don't I just, you know, take every single problem. I compartmentalize the problem because it's no use piling them up one on top of the other. This is not a pyramid scheme here. And by compartmentalizing each problem, put them in compartments, then you can go and use each tool, whether it's your envy and comparison tool or whether it's your but what if not tool or whether it's your adversity becomes success tool and you can minimize and kind of lower the volume on your anxiety and how you feel about being constantly under attack from the negativity that can be thrown at you in life. Does that make sense? I hope it does. It's kind of mes- it makes sense to me, but it's true that it's hard to have, you know, to, to like have a narrative on your own on a podcast and trying to find examples of situations um, and I'm hoping these tools will work for you no matter what the situation is. I know I, I haven't spoken about situations of great discontent or like I, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but you can definitely take the tools and adjust them to whatever your situation is and whatever small or big you consider the situation to be. The mind over body tool is one of my favorite tools and one I've built the method protocol around and that implies people that have and we all have had that at some point this inner dialogue of wow how can she stand on her hands and I can't you can and you will you just have to accept the fact that if someone has the ability of doing something so can you or something close and the mind Overbody tool is the mind controls the body, the body does not control the mind. This has gotten me through tough workouts. This has gotten me through jail. This has gotten me through health issues that usually would set back somebody and get them to stay home. The fact that my mind can control my body has been so diligently helpful in my life where I don't take things laying down. I refuse to be sick. And as a result, I'm very often not sick. Or if I feel I'm coming down with something, I fight it the best way I can with natural uh, remedies, but also a mindset. And so I'm not saying here, don't get me wrong. If you're sick, you should go to a doctor, take the medication you need to take. But don't limit yourself with your mind. Your body, your body's performance, your body's ability, your body, your body's resilience, 90% of it comes from your mind. And so this dialogue you have on the inside can be ever so helpful. If you feel like you're always tired, If you feel like you're constantly losing your hair, if you feel like you're constantly gaining weight, even though you're doing everything you're supposed to do, a lot of it has to do with your mindset. And this is where, of course, I started talking about intuition and, you know, all of that stuff. But just on the physical aspect of performance alone, when you do the method protocol or when I'm boxing with an MMA champion, Mika Sese, who you will see, who you often see on my stories, but he's also going to be one of our experts at a retreat. Very often, he pushes me to my limitations. And this is where my mental kick has to come in, where I'm like, you can do this. My mind controls my body. My body does not control my mind. And that's been helpful for me, even with aches and pains. Very often when I worked worked out seven hours a day training clients so when, I, when I was a professional athlete and I had to dance for hours and, you know, and my feet were killing me and I felt like maybe my foot was broken. A lot of what got me through it and makes me the resilient person that I am today is my inner dialogue of my mind controls my body. My body does not control my mind. It's been very helpful also in, for example, waking up with a toothache and going, oh, my God, why do I have this toothache? I'm not going to be able to go to work tomorrow. No, my inner dialogue and someone religious will say, oh, my face is in God. God will make me feel better. I believe in God, but not in powerful ways for the mind. Like, I, I you know, I believe in God. But the dialogue you have with yourself is I, I won't bring God or spirits or, you know, spiritual beliefs in into this. And I know a lot of people do. A lot of people like, you know, Joel Osteen or, you know, that other idiot, what's his name? I forgot his name. That that's that preacher, or whatever. Well, whatever. Tony Robbins. I mean, you know, all said and done. Yeah. They they give you all these very spiritual tools, whatever. I don't believe in that. I'm much more of a Cartesian. And so it's mostly whatever your mind sets out your body can do and very often when the body gives up it's because the mind has given up first that's why very often when someone's sick they say they need to have better morale they need to you know wear something nice maybe put some makeup on to feel better and it's always worked for me the first thing my mom always said when I was sick when I was younger was go brush your hair put some moisturizer on your face sit by the window and get some sunlight on your face And you will automatically feel better and less sick. Whereas if you stay in the same sweats all day, you don't brush your hair, you're not going to brush your teeth, you're going to stay in bed, you're going to have tasteless soup, of course you're going to stay in a mindset to be sick and you're probably going to be sicker than the person who went and looked for sunlight and, you know, put a little perfume on and took a shower and brushed their hair. So the mind controls the body, for me, is that inner dialogue where 90% 90% of your body's performance and ability and resilience come from that inner talk that you have with yourself. And it's great for uh, physical performance in sports. It's great for fighting superficial illness. I'm not talking about cancer, even though I do think that the morale has a lot to do with cancer as well, or people letting themselves go when they, once they're told that they're you know, sick with no hope. That's why very often I'm like, I always say, like, if I have cancer, I probably will never find out because I will never accept to um, to go test myself for cancer unless something is really preventing me from existing and, and living like a pain or whatever. There are people that love going to the doctor, that love getting tested for allergies and for intolerances. Like, I'm not that person. And I'm not telling you not to. I'm not giving you the advice to ignore aches and pains or possibly serious illness. I'm just saying in simple situations where it's no big deal, scratch on the skin or muscular pain or or just feeling tired, a lot of that inner talk you have with yourself is reminding yourself your body controls your mind. Your mind does not control. No, your mind controls your body. Sorry about that. Mind controls your body. Your body does not control your mind. And remembering that in many situations, will be so, so very helpful to you. Um, But again, my disclaimer here, if you feel sick, and if you need to seek the help of, um, I mean, you need to seek medical intention, please do so. I'm not telling you not to. I am not a healer. I'm not some kind of a bullshit spiritual leader telling you that you're not sick, and you're You know, if you're in a wheelchair, you're going to elevate and start walking or flying. It's nothing like that. I'm talking about the basic things in life that set us back just from the obstacles that we put on ourselves with our minds and kind of talking down to ourselves. So you want to be that inner cheerleader for yourself going, you could do it. Saturday, I was not feeling well. I didn't sleep well all night. Then my trainer arrived at 9.30 to train me. And Jill said, you know what? We can give your session to Dakota if you're not feeling well. And I said, no, I'm feeling fine. I just haven't slept. This is going to help me. And I got through it. I was a little slower. I was a little um, not as alert, but I got through it. And I was so happy I did afterwards. And that all came from me saying to myself, Ingrid, your mind controls your body. Your body doesn't control your mind. Had I said to myself, I am so tired. I deserve a break. No one in their right mind is going to exercise. I'm going to end up hurting myself. It's a different kind of self dialogue with a different outcome. And I didn't want that different outcome. So I remember very often my mind controls my body. My body does not control my mind. Very often when I have a headache, before I even think of taking a painkiller, It will take probably 24 hours for me to go that route unless it's really bad or I really absolutely need to get rid of the headache because I'm flying somewhere or because I have a public engagement somewhere. But most of the time, I will resist taking Advil, aspirin, Tylenol, anything, saying to myself, this headache is going to go away. This headache is going to go away. I control my body, my body does not control me. And very often, 80% of the time, I don't have to resort to taking the Tylenol. Again, the disclaimer here if you feel like you have something serious, this is not advice to ignore it all and to be almighty and, you know, a spiritual believer in superpowers. Not at all. This is to be applied to simple situations where we set ourselves back spiritually. I have so many people that look at the method movement and say, I can't do this. I'm like, don't say that. I can do it. My mother can do it. My niece can do it. My daughter can do it. Jill can do it. Everyone could do it. It's not how you're going to perform it. It's whether you can do it. Their mind will control their bodies. Their bodies will not control their minds. Very often, you let your mind talk down to your body. So don't let your mind talk your body up and give it a pep talk and be your body's best cheerleader. Trust your body. I've said this so many times, even when it comes to diet, even when it comes to healing naturally. Trust your body. D, I don't give a fuck tool. If you know anything about me, and many of your questions were about this, is how is your cortisol so low? How do you always look so calm, even though you do so much? Well, in my mind... And I mean, I give credit to, I'm not so great. I'm not so resilient. I'm not better than anyone. Unfortunately for me, this asset that I have, this skill of not giving a fuck about anything and being able to simplify not so complicated situation that seem like a lot come from where I've been. Because I've gone to prison in a setting that is, unrealistic if you think about it because they put me in a medium to high security prison for a lesser crime a white collar crime for a small amount of money that was not huge um, and you know the the, the whole um, the whole situation around that is explained in my book so you'll have to buy the book and read the story to find out why this happened even though uh, you know the crime didn't fit the time and it didn't fit the place where I did the time either um and turns out I was found not guilty in the end after a year but that's another thing but the fact that I was in a situation where you have to worry about your life you have to worry about whether you will ever get out of there you'll have to worry watch your back you don't want to be raped you don't want to be attacked You want your kids to make it to visiting. You want to be able to hug your kids again someday. And when you get in there, you're told that there are so many things that can happen that will have you stay longer and extend your sentence no matter what. Things that are out of your control, just sheer bad luck. And so when you're in a situation of life and death for a year like I have been, when you get out of there... Either you're an idiot and you're going to go back to worrying about little things and letting just anything get to you. Or like me, you look around you and you get rid of people that just make your life worst or make your life more complicated for no reason. Naysayers, negative people, you're like, you know what? I will not let anyone indulge in anything like that after what I've been through. As a matter of fact, I don't want to hear about fight and drama anymore. Even though I give in to the copycat drama, it also fuels some of my best ideas, some of my wonderful successes. It's, it's inspired me to be ambitious and to you know, fight the adversity of it. But would the copycat thing, for example, not be constructive at all, I wouldn't even give it any breath. The only reason why I do is because it ends up making me better at what I do makes me a better person. It gives me the best ideas. It helps me to watch my back in business. It helps me to watch my kids back and teach them to learn things about life. But other than that, anything that's not life or death or that's not extremely important in life, I don't worry about so much. And so when you weigh down every given situation to life or death, like is it going to matter in one month? Is it going to matter in six months? Is it going to matter in a year? And if it's not going to, I definitely don't give it any energy. But I've said this before, in my life saving mode episode, in this case, with this specific, I don't give a fuck tool. For me, anything that's not life or death, definitely has a solution. And so I kind of have a way of Looking at every problem or everything that seems to bother me, like it is so small, whether it's because hair color damaged my hair. And I'm like, you know what, Ingrid? Be upset about it. Be upset about it for an hour, two hours. But you better not be upset about it every single day when you're going to go and fix your hair in the morning. Because when you were in prison and you were dying to see your children, had I proposed to you to shave your head so you could have your kids back, you would have done it in a heartbeat. And you probably would have been the happiest girl alive. And so I don't know what kind of situation you can wait out your problems against to minimize them into an I don't give a fuck mentality. But the reason why I don't give a fuck about very much and you see my cortisol levels being very low, even though I do so much and deal with every single stress of life possible And I do, you see me running my business, you see me having my kids being away, you see me traveling, you see me having a husband, having to make dinner, having the longest days. I kind of look at life like even water tastes good to me. Even water is delicious because when I was behind bars, one of my kidneys shut down because I refused to drink water. And if you read my book, you'll understand why I was refusing to drink water. So even the taste of water is amazing. When I share my view with you in the morning, And I write that I'm grateful, I fucking kid you not if I tell you that the second I open that window, I am fucking so grateful because for a year, I woke up behind bars, if I even slept. And so whatever given situation, take your worst case scenario of life or death situations and wait out every little thing that can affect your mood, affect your cortisol levels, Against this situation and kind of go, Oh, Ingrid, you're a fucking dummy for feeling bad about this. Because back to 11 years ago, when you went behind bars and you were being separated from your children, and the guard was ripping your baby off and away from you when visiting was over, and you didn't know when you would see your baby again because you could get in trouble and sent to segregated to the shoe, to the segregation area where you don't get visits, then all of this would look fucking stupid and petty. And I give myself a reality check. So how is it that, you know, I can use that I don't give a fuck tool? Give yourself a fucking reality check. There is so much that is so not a fucking big deal. Your mother-in-law called you and told you you're a whore. Wait it out against something that is life or death like the loss of someone that you absolutely love and cannot live without, or something bad that's happened to you, an accident where you could have passed, anything like that. Minimize it in that way. And that brings me to my last tool, which is very much like the I don't give a fuck tool, the simplified tool of not so complicated situations we complicate. You want to be your own problem solver. Very often when we have a problem, we need to go to a third party Um, that's going to look at the whole situation from us on the outside looking in because they have no emotional attachment to the situation and they're going to simplify it for us and we're going to be like, oh, that was so simple. Well, I do it with everything. When I have an issue, when things are getting too much, I bring out my simplified tool and I take the situation and I give myself five reasons, five reasons why, how, Now why, how I can simplify the situation. Five solutions. Sometimes I only find three, but three is just enough. So whatever my dilemma, whatever my problem that day, I just sit myself down for a fucking second or bring myself outside, give my face to the sunlight and say, okay, Ingrid, find five simple resolution for this problem. That's my simplified tool five reasons. If you come up just with three out of five, it's still good enough to make you feel better. And you will not even need a best friend to judge you or to judge or to judge the situation. So this tool is by far one of the simplest and my favorite and probably the one I give to my clients, one of the very first ones. One problem, one dilemma, five simple solutions. Even if you find three, it's enough to minimize the problem. I hope you enjoyed this perspective and my five tools to living your life with lower cortisol and not giving a fuck. Um, These tools have been so helpful to me. And I do realize that for me, they may be easier to apply because of the walk of life that I come from. Um, But you could definitely weight it out towards your own situation. We all have our own share of adversities and our own share of trauma and we can use them to our advantage and to be constructive in this situation. Um, let me talk to you about h two New Lane before I go. This is not an ad. I've had so many questions about it. Before I go, let me explain what H2inulin is. I've had so many questions on it and I will devote a whole podcast on hydration because I think there's so much misinformation, the 3 liter um contest being one of them. H2inulin is something I've been working on as I said previously for many years and this is not an ad. As far as I'm concerned from the minute I create I brought simply inulin on the market, the next thing that I thought was so needed because of so much misinformation about hydration when it comes to health and the mechanism and physiology of the body especially for women fighting bloat and water retention and cellulite was hydration um and it stemmed like simply inulin from my own needs first as a pro athlete back in the day where i would suffer from incredible cramps um and even as a professional athlete in the past few years, I would wake up to horrible, horrible cramps in the middle of the night. And we all have heard about the eat a banana trick prior to practice as a child. That didn't work for me. The delivery of potassium from a banana and absorption isn't quite the amount needed to stop cramping during high-performance fitness activity. Um, And that never did it for me. On top of it, eating a banana before working out for me is really not the best thing, especially with the method where your head is upside down a lot. It would make me so nauseous. But again, the potassium is not enough. Um, we We have electrolytes in our body we lose a lot of electrolytes as we get older, depending on how we sweat, depending on our activity, depending on how much we consume. And the thing is, we stay away from salt. Everybody is so afraid of salt, but they are healthy th- salts that we need in our body. And this is what electrolytes are. So H2N is a hydration multiplier, and it's a great daily electrolyte drink um, that utilizes the breakthrough science of cellular transport technology to deliver hydration to your bloodstream faster and more efficiently than water alone. So again, like the French say about fashion and about so much, um, less is more. So drinking so, so much water is not going to ensure that you're fully hydrated. As a matter of fact, it you may even experience water poisoning and i've spoken about this extensively on my social media on the product page again this is not an ad i'm just giving some tidbits of information about h2nulean for so many of you that have asked so h2 2 uses a precise ratio of sodium calcium magnesium and potassium to create a osmotic force that allows water and other ingredients to be delivered to the bloodstream Earlier on and on in the di- early on in the digestive system. Why did I want to create h 2 Nulin? for my own needs? Because I realized that the cramping that I had and some of the retention that I felt after working out came from my lack of hydration. I did drink water and I hate to drink too much water, it doesn't make me feel good. And because I'm so intuitive with how I feel rather than what I'm told to do. I, like you, have heard that you need three liters of water a day and there are some three liter of water drinking contest. And to me, that felt like I was drowning my kidneys. I have sensitive kidneys, especially since I've been incarcerated for reasons I speak about in my book that I don't want to talk about now. Um, because you need the whole context and you need to understand what I was going through. I wasn't drinking very much and one of my kidneys literally shut down and it was a miracle that I was able to get it back. But one thing that I know is drinking too much water for my size and my weight made no sense. It made me feel like shit and it still does. And I, I feel extremely bloated and I reach in a lot of water. Um, and you have to realize also that peeing a lot doesn't mean that you eliminate anything Um, there's a process that the body has to go through and there's nothing you can do to force it to go through it you know water poisoning is a real thing um, and people suffer from it even if they don't know very often so if you're drinking a lot of water for example and you still feel like you get headaches or you feel drowsy or you feel like you have brain fog it's a sort of water poisoning. And very often people drink a lot and say, I drink so much and I still retain so much water. Well, guess what? It's because you don't have the electrolytes that you need in your body for the water, the hydration to be delivered through the bloodstreams and the digestive system and in the right places. So that's where electrolytes come in. What is so different about h 20 onulin? They are pure, pure, pure electrolytes that are free of maltrodextin, which is usually some sort of a corn fiber uh, that's lab-made and that's not good for you. And I'm not going to get into that either, but you know it, it's shit and it's in a lot of protein bars and a lot of health food that they try to make yummy and sweet and and add some type of a prebiotic fiber that's actually lab-made, and I've spoken about that in other podcasts. Uh, but a lot of the electrolytes on the market, first of all, don't have—they um, don't have the sodium, the magnesium, the potassium, and they don't have the same ratio of, you know, calcium as well as h 2 inulin, and they have more crap added to it, so it's bearable to drink. At the end of the day, those are salts. And it tastes like salt, and it's even as heavy as salt. Our h two inulin, um, the the part that is electrolytes, looks like salt. You could literally salt your food. What we did was to give it a bearable taste without having to add um, natural flavors, as they call them, osmaltrodexin, like a lot of the stuff that's on the market. What we did was we added inulin. Simply inulin has a naturally sweetish, sweet not Swedish, I said sweet-ish taste, which is still bearable, like you could put it in your eggs and your eggs won't be sweet, for example, but added to the electrolytes, not only does it deliver prebiotics to your gut, so you're tending to your good gut bacteria and feeding your good gut bacteria, it's also appeasing the taste of the salts um, that are in the pure electrolytes without having to add on any type of fake flavors or natural flavors or maltodextin or shit like that. We're the only ones on the market currently that have that. tinolin has been added to make the taste better and it's working. It delivers something that tastes good. It doesn't taste delicious, but it tastes good enough to drink like water. Uh, and you can definitely taste the goodness in it. You could taste that you're doing something good for yourself. Um, so you... Um, this is why I decided to infuse it with simply and That's really the, the whole thing at first was the idea behind it was to simply make the salts bearable because salt and water is, tastes like salt water. And that's what electrolytes real ones are. And that's what we need in our body because that's what our, we have electrolytes in our body. Um, so I figured what's better than, you know, electrolyte water. What better than pure electrolyte water? Well, fiber prebiotic water. So you have pure electrolyte fiber prebiotic water. Um, Is it going to help, help with weight loss? Hell yeah. A lot of the weight sometimes you need to lose is water weight. So that's going to help you with that. It's going to help you avoiding or getting rid of water retention. It controls the water balance and cell hydration in your body. So it's going to help with that. On this note, if you want to know more about this, I'm putting the link to um H2O Newland in the show notes. Uh, if you need more information about anything else, there's a lot of links added to the show notes. There's um, some free recipes that are still on there. We add them to every show note. There's free flash workouts. Um, pretty much anything you need to know, anything that is news with us um, and with me. Is posted on there. Feel free to share your feedback on this podcast with me on Instagram. Oh, and we have also the Facebook secret group, which is amazing. I take a peek kind of like every other day or so. And I kind of like let my tribe be and just come in when I'm really, really needed. And I really enjoy the vibe. It's so positive and it's so good. So if you're coming in with good intention and want to find like-minded, chic gangsters Um, the link to the private secret group on Facebook is in the show notes as well. On this note, I wish you a beautiful day from Monaco. Bisou, bisou.